All right, everybody, welcome back to Tundra Talk. This is Tyler Friel, and uh, finally getting to sit down today with a guy who's been long on the on the must-have list, Donald Lee. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. He uh, Don stays pretty busy, so like a lot of people up here, it can be difficult to run down or, I don't know, it seems like just everybody gets in their own, has, has a lot of stuff going. Turns out you live like... Right down the road, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all have our pet projects, don't we? Keep us keep us busy. Winter, yeah. Winter and summer. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> I mean, I think I'm busy now. And then when it gets gets into summertime, it's just nuts. Oh, man. Yeah. Non-stop. Gets frenetic. <laughs> go, yeah. go, go. It does seem like the starting to notice the daylight coming, shifting back again. Oh, for sure. Days like today makes a big difference when then it's 30 degrees, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> like maybe it's spring. <laughs> no, we're a long ways from spring, but uh, yeah, Don's a cool guy. Um, I don't know. I, I like. I always enjoy seeing your commentary on the Facebook page. You remind like seems a little bit like me. You seem a little bit like me, just with some of the stuff. It's great. Um, I was trying to. What was I trying to remember? I don't know if I can remember anything in particular, but. Uh, I don't know. Why don't you, uh, as much for me as everybody else, um, where, like, what's your background a little bit? Where'd you, where'd you come from or how'd you get up here? Well, uh, first I was going to, when you were talking about that, I was just thinking of probably the first time we, I mean, you don't meet on Facebook, but yeah, was, uh, I think it was a bear hunting thing. I, and I probably pissed you off. Like maybe <laughs> like the first, first time I was commenting about something bear hunting. I don't remember, but it was funny. Yeah. But. yeah you don't. Rem- yeah. Cause I don't, I don't ever remember you pissing me off. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, even if you did, it's like you could. Oh, we're adults; we can get over it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, I guess originally I was from Oregon. Uh, kind of grew up on uh, on the coast, right at Astoria. You know where they filmed yeah, when they yeah. filmed there, like the Goonies and Kindergarten Cop and that kind of stuff. Well, I was but, down in. I was and not to interrupt you. I was down. I was spent a winter down there, and uh, I used to. J- Believe it or not, I did used to jog and be in pretty good shape. I used to run that road that um, from the Goonies where they go to the restaurant that's not actually up there. But they, you know, the the spot where they they grab that dude's bike bike handlebars and he goes flying off the hill. I've I've run by that spot so many times. Like, that's funny. It's funny watching the movie because I, I was like, remember every crack on that road. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was a good run spot. Anyway, sorry to yeah, no, interrupt that's, you that's already. Been a long time since I've seen that thing, but but yeah, it was uh, you know definitely kind of grew up grew up in the outdoors. Um, I wasn't much of a hunter as a kid. My dad, you know, he probably didn't. We didn't do a lot of hunting till probably my early teenage years. But we did a lot of. We're fishermen mostly, so growing yeah. up there on the coast, all those coastal streams, you know, we're steelhead. Yeah, a lot of steelhead fishing around there, isn't there? Yeah, yep, yep. So, but uh, yeah, I kind of did some commercial fishing when I was little, worked on a little commercial trawler out of uh, Garibaldi, which is just north of uh, Tillamook there, and uh, spent all summer doing that, camping out and, and commercial fishing pretty much up every day about 4 a.m. and home at night about 10 Oh, and, uh, I think I was rough. 11 years old. <laughs> Man, that's that's rough for me. That was about yeah, that was about our schedule moose hunting this year. That yeah. was not fun. <laughs> 4 a.m. Much com- rest that way. Oh, 4 a.m. comes bright and early. <laughs> yes, it does. 
but uh but yeah it was a good good place to grow up you know just a lot of outdoor you know my, my dad was into all kinds of logging and grew up in construction work in construction with him and just i mean we were always outdoors hiking around and fishing hunting and stuff like that so yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah that's cool what brought you up here well, um, my parents actually, uh, my dad had been up here commercial fishing. He'd fished out of, uh, he'd done Bristol Bay and I think Cook Inlet too, if I remember right. Maybe mostly Bristol Bay. But, um, I think, I think, uh, he'd always kind of wanted to come back even though they ended up in the interior, which is kind of funny. But, uh, but, um, it kind of was a mission for them too. They mm-hmm. had, they had talked to somebody they knew up here and, uh, and, um, so they, ended up in toke and kind of were helping form a kind of get a little church body going there of the of the group they belong to so that's kind of kind of how they came up they ended nice. up with a couple of jobs that landed in their laps and they're like well let's go <laughs> yeah hard to argue with that yeah it's i mean kind of is like beating a dead horse but there's so like so many people up here that they just blend right in it's it's why i get a crack out whenever anyone says oh real alaskan you know and i i guess like i get it the kind of like territorial all right you know feelings you get but i don't know most of the people were that i know were not born up here uh, yeah a lot, of, a lot of trains come up it's but a lot of it is i think the mentality or general mentality you you know a lot of people come up and can't hack it go back yeah, but true. the people that stay here end up blending right in and yeah 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 they're still as far as my parents they're still in toke you know which is one of the one of the coldest places in the entire state but they love it they're, they're yeah. there and <laughs> yeah what was it a couple of weeks ago when it was like yeah i mean it hit hit like 50 below somewhere around here wasn't it like 65 or so yeah below down i was there? say i know they had at least 63 so yeah and i've seen they claim they've seen 80. I've never seen that down there, but um, I've seen 74 for yeah. sure, like a couple of times. So it's. <laughs> yeah, I think 60 is about the coldest I, or maybe 65. I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's tough to wrap your mind around oh, to think, like, okay, if it's, it's 65 below zero, or say 68 below zero, you are a hundred degrees below freezing like it's <laughs> yeah. just nuts well and then the temperature swings you know sometimes you'll go from that to 30 above you know in a couple of days so just oh yeah you have huge swings or sometimes you know i mean 40 40 below to 40 above i've seen in a day before yep you get a chinook yep. come through like yeah i just got i mean i just got off the yukon river you know i was talking to you about that but uh that's exactly what we had up there basically we were up up around the nation river and it was 40 below and like the next stage boom i mean you could watch the thermometer and pretty much just see it climbing you know man so. yeah it's nuts but uh, it's if yeah I, I don't know what to say about that kind of cold because it it's it's just unimaginable like it, it's it's how you know how like 40 below is almost exponentially colder than oh, 30 man. below yep. and, and vice versa like I don't know, I tell anyone once you once you're below thirty below, yeah, nothing's very fun. Once you hit fifty below, it's like you just try not to do anything because <laughs> uh, stuff will break. And oh man, yeah, it slows everything way down, doesn't it? Like yeah, yeah, getting getting machinery going or anything, just yeah, it's a fight. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so you do quite a bit of you do quite a bit of trapping and uh, just all around. Yeah. Yeah. Trapping commercial some commercial fishing still yeah. right? Yeah, I yeah I definitely uh. <clears throat> I used to do a lot of gardening, but the last few years I've been commercial fishing for I don't know, five or five years now, six years. 
so the, the whole gardening thing suffered. But yeah, been commercial fishing some in the summers. and uh, Well, and beekeeping too, right? Yeah, so I my, was just down checking on them today, actually. Oh man, have you got, <laughs> um, my dad had bees when I was a kid and he'd never, he'd just wear it, he'd wear like the head net thing, but he'd never wear, he just got basically immune to stings, yeah. you know, where it didn't bother him anymore. But they, uh, have you had, I know you were trying to, have you gotten the hive through the winter yet, survive, alive? You know, I haven't. I've only tried, um, I tried one time and they made it till uh, close to about this time frame. So I think I've surpassed, surpassed so far this time. But yeah, so I'm doing a, kind of a different technique this time where there's actually two queen, two entire hives in one yeah. hive body, you know, two separate queens and uh, they're still making it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. This is about the time of year where it gets probably more down to crunch time you know whether or not they start raising brood too early and yeah. starve out and that or there's i mean there's so many factors with getting them over but they look they're look i mean from what i can see yeah <laughs> they're doing okay and if you hear a little kid in the back room that's my son out there hopefully not getting into trouble but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's that's nuts man i mean you would do as kind of a biomass do they generate well how does that work? Do they generate heat to keep themselves from freezing to death? You know, because I know some insects have like a almost an antifreeze in their system. Right, right. They basically do. They, I mean, you really, you kind of want them to go into a state of what they call torpor, basically. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like hibernation in some ways. But essentially, they shiver yeah. to make heat. And uh, But yeah, they should, um, you know, I don't know if I could tell you exactly what temperature the hive should be. I mean, sometimes people will put sensors in the hive, mm -hmm. you know, that they can, they can read little infrared sensors and stuff. But you, I mean, that's one of the ways if you didn't see actual activity that you can tell they're still alive. You know, you take off the cover and just put your hand in there and it's, it's super warm. I mean, it's like oh, 80 wow. degrees. So, wow. Yeah. That make that makes sense, I guess, because if they were in a full like active state, they would burn up too much energy and not be able to not be able to store enough food exactly. to make it through. I guess exactly. Yep. Yeah. These winters that are where we have more of these temperature swings, you know, and where it's really warm. Well, this winter's been kind of stable though, but some of these winters where it's really cold and then it gets really warm and you know up and down like yeah. that, that's rough on them. Like it's it's actually better to have pretty extended just level cold you know cold 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 versus cold hot cold hot and so, yeah that makes to makes a lot of sense yeah um sheep hunting you do your fair amount of sheep hunting I, we end up talking about sheep hunting a lot on this <laughs> podcast like ironically yeah. or, or coincidentally i uh, should yeah. say oh uh, yeah no sheep hunting's uh I, I mean i love it all but sheep hunting is kind of a something about it. it's kind of special special for me it's it's kind of my kind of my deal yeah i guess i i can i can understand that when did you start you know i started and like what and what got you started yeah yeah i'm trying to remember what got me started actually i was uh i mean i think i was 14 when we moved to alaska and i i'm trying to remember the first fall well we moved up here in september so i know i didn't sheep hunt the first fall so i was probably 15 so you know the second fall we were up here i think was the first first sheep hunt that i did um I don't know exactly why. I think we had kind of become friends with a guy named uh, Mike Miller in Toke and Danny Grandgard, and they're, you know, big, big trappers, hunters, yeah. and, and uh, had been doing it for years and years down there. And uh, so I'm sure I'd been talking to them and hearing stories. And, and uh, yeah. so was that back in the time when Grand, when Grandgard was still bringing it, sneaking his wolves into the laundromat <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning to clean oh, yeah. them? Yeah, and he wasn't the only one. <laughs> there was. Oh, Paul, T-Craft Paul, too. I think we ran into him once bringing some out of, out of some showers down there. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's still. I mean, you know, he's one of the better wolf trappers in the entire state. He's unreal. Yeah. I saw him this fall. Actually, I was up caribou hunting. And it was like, well, there goes Danny, and there's big old wolf legs sticking out of the back of his truck. And it's <laughs> like, geez, he's already on him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of. There's a few guys that are kind of legendary. I've never met Danny, um, like him or Jim Masick. Yeah, you know, yeah, Jim. Yeah, like yep. you look at like your average person look at Jim and. It's like you have no idea the <laughs> death and destruction that guy has, has laid out. Oh, <laughs> if man. you, you know, as, as far as trapping, if he wants you dead, you're not going to make it. Very uh, long. He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've met him a few times briefly, but but I know Danny a little better. But yeah, Danny's uh, he's he's got he's interesting too. He's not necessarily you know you always hear the, so much about staying so clean when you're making sets. Yeah, he's not necessarily you know some of these guys aren't as clean about it as you would. You would imagine. As you would guess, yeah. yeah but he, he still rakes them in. He does most of the, you know, mention this, but the uh, the aerial program they've had down yeah. there, you know, in Unit 20 for the last few years, he does almost all their skinning. See, I've that. tried to get into on that a little bit, be like, hey, can't there be some kind of bid <laughs> <Yeah>. system? <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> Although, well, you know, early on, uh, they were allowing individuals to sign up with their planes and stuff. And so yeah. you could get on, be like a gunner or something, but they, you know, that kind of went away after a few years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh well now they're switching to unit 13, right? I think. I don't know. I hadn't heard. I just heard, heard you know, that the program was ending. Yeah. I think this I, was the last season, right? Yeah, for, it was, yeah. which is kind of funny. I mean, they did that for seven, eight years and you know, I mean, numbers i was hearing and seeing like you know when they because they fishing game was letting you do walk through letting like fur buyers do walkthroughs to kind of yeah bid on some of that stuff i mean they're knocking down like 150 to 350 wolves a year between them and the private guys i skinned a lot of the private guys yeah. and uh and there's still just as many wolves as when they started <laughs> yep. it ended up being like beneficial yeah. for the wolf the wolves as a whole. Right. But it also allowed the caribou, because they go not break up all these packs and knock down a bunch of wolves, you know, late winter when the daylight's coming back and then gives the caribou a break, kind of dispersing these packs. But I guess dispersing the packs also created more breeding pairs. <laughs> and they were, uh, I want to say that the, that the litter size was go went up. I'm I'm sure you know they've got to be similar to coyotes in that aspect. Yeah. You know, you knock them the harder you knock them down, the more. I mean, know, I've heard to, I've heard you to have like a significant impact on the population. You've got to kill something like in the seventy percent range of the population for several years in a row. I believe it. I believe but, it. But uh, yeah. and now there you know there's just as many wolves and there's caribou all over. So yeah, that I, was, I've heard the we're gonna you know we're gonna stop and see what happens. We'll. I could probably guess what's going to happen is there's going to be a shitload more wolves and the caribou are going to take a hit. And then, you know, it's not like it's going to be the end of the world or right, anything, but. Right. I wonder too, how much of it, you know, I mean, they have a way of balancing themselves in some aspect, although you throw, you know, throw, you know, man or, or human, uh, meddling in there and that changes things up a bit. But, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't have hard data on that, but I know where I hunt moose is like mm -hmm. in the center of that hole, you know, it's right up there in 20 E and, uh, I never noticed. I never noticed an appreciable increase in moose, at least. Yeah. You know, now I can't speak for caribou, but it's like every year it seems pretty consistent. You know. And yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been interesting. I don't know. I guess I've, you know, 
I'm no biologist. So, <laughs> you know, when I'm playing biologist or pretending <laughs> yeah. to be a biologist, I guess I would assume that in areas with very little, you know, was we think, oh, before people, well, I don't know, I consider people have always been a fact a factor. Right. But uh you know, in areas that had very little human influence, I would assume that it was kind of a, a that it did take care of itself, but it was a much more dramatic cycle. Kind, of, you know, yeah. It's like the classic links and and snowshoe hare example. Yep. You know, yep. you see that with bigger ungulates when the wolves will, you know, when you get a bunch of wolves and eventually they'll knock down all the a lot of prey animals enough to where. Right. You know, and a few of them survive, and a few of the other ones, you know. Yep. I yeah, just, I, I just think, think right. it was probably just a much more dramatic cycle of ups and downs, whereas now, with humans pretty directly involved in a lot of it, I think it's just a more and balanced is a relative term. Yeah. You know, I was balanced thinking leveled and, was the term. Yeah, I was thinking balanced and managed is managed is a relative term. I think, but yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. think that it's more stable than it would be if it yeah. just left. I agree. You know, it's, you know, whether you want to use the term management or what, but, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, that human aspect, at least up here, kind of levels that out a little bit, you know, yeah. and, uh, you probably, you're right. probably kind of decreases those swings a bit as far as the extremes anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I kind of got, <laughs> got a rabbit with Danny Grangard got rabbit trailed <laughs> off. Your, uh, well, yeah. How you got into sheep hunting? Well, he probably kind of got me started. Just he probably doesn't even know it, but he probably kind of got me started on the whole, uh, you know, lightweight aspect of it too. You know, going yeah. light and, uh, you know, back in the day, I, I think he would talk about, well, you just, you know, you just take your little kid tent in there, and when you're done, you just burn it and hike <laughs> out. And- <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, I think I think those were my. Some of my initial sheep hunting conversations were probably with him, you know, with regard to like the TMA down there, the token management yeah. area. And so, yeah, but, but yeah, the first, first few years, you know, you don't know what, we didn't know Jack about what we were doing because mm-hmm. we weren't going with somebody that was experienced. It was my, my brother and I, so we'd be up in the mountains and, you know, our crappy little optics and we'd see a whole band of sheep. Oh, let's go. And you'd go over there and it's all used. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you like have no idea <laughs> you what you're like looking at. like three miles. And- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so oh, there's got to be a legal ram in that bunch, right? right. <laughs> or you waste time. Do you ever find yourself wasting time looking at use? Oh yeah. Not yep. to say I have been fooled. The the ram that Doctor Frank Schultz and I about had a fist fight over <laughs> was with a it, band of use. It happens. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I've seen seen that several times up in the the Delta unit too, the DCU, but but uh. But yeah, it's we definitely definitely wasted a lot of time hiking long distances. And yeah, <laughs> I I think it was actually that first year. I remember you talk about hiking three miles, and it's about exactly what it was. We hiked kind of all the way around this huge, huge bowl. You know, we could see this band of sheep over on this big saddle, kind of flat top thing on the other end of this bowl, and hiked all the way around there, and you know, hiked all the way back in the dark after it turned out to be all yeah. used. You know, we're stumbling along through the shale. <laughs> But. Yeah, I think if a guy sticks with it, you definitely learn. <laughs> you definitely learn how to do things a little bit. The more whether you want to call it the smart way or the there's not really an easy way, but the easier way. Right, right. Yeah, you start. You know, do reading. You talk to others, and you start paying attention and figuring out what's going on. Yeah. Some of it, yeah, as you well know, is just on the ground experience over time. You know, you get to oh, where yeah. you get to where you know immediately when you look at a sheep. That's a ram. You know, or or nope, not a ram. 
Yeah. And I, I tried to just, I got so, you know, I got lucky and killed, killed one my first trip. Um, I like to wonder about whether I would be as into it as I am if I hadn't killed one the first trip. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those what ifs, like (laughs) questions of the secrets of the universe, but, uh, that worked out the way it did. And I was so crazy about it, man. And I, I still am to agree to a degree, although I've kind of mellowed out when I was in the one sheep wonder phase, like, you know, (laughs) pick everybody's brain about it, read all the Tony Russ books front and back. And I, I mean, I feel like I learned stuff, but there's a certain amount that is just field firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just always like, I'm sure you've heard like every sheep hunter's always got an ear open. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pick up little, little tips and tricks here and there and, and, uh, or even yeah. places that was like, like anytime I see someone mention, like mention any specific place, <laughs> like on Facebook or something, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Oh man. I find myself look, even looking at pictures, you know, and you're like, yeah. Ooh, I recognize that I topography. Re- That's in X range, you know. I think I know. <laughs> yeah, there was but. one I saw. Um, There's one, a picture of a sheep I saw that it was actually, it was in TMA, and they said it was in TMA, but I, uh, I saw it was a picture of the ram, you know, like kill site picture. Yeah. And picture of the pack out, and I'm like, I know within probably 300 yards of where <laughs> there's a couple been a couple that I'm like, like I can show you on a map exactly where. Which that that's even <laughs> you go back and forth because it's like do, <clears throat> and you know some of the spots I've hunted, mm. I've been there. There's been people that like I've been scolded once or twice. Ask eh, maybe scolded's not the right word. <laughs> I I am. I am aware of what I put out there. Some at some point, it's like, well, if someone already knows exactly where something is, they've been there, and they, yeah, it's not a secret, right, right, exactly. So I don't know. I guess it's just a personal, personal <laughs> preference. How you know uh, how secretive you want to be with it? Yeah, that's funny though. That is part of the experience you gain over time too. You know, if you stick with sheep hunting, is you kind of yeah. you know every mountain range kind of has you know their little variations on terrain and, and uh steepness and vegetation and so yeah there's you know. i don't know because you know where you've been hunting i gather that the vegetation is a big deal yeah i've been yeah last few years i've been uh my gear doesn't last long <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of uh a lot of brush whacking, crawling through, you know, fallen timber and uh, head high rose bushes, and you know how that goes. <laughs> oh yeah, get, get out with your rain gear, rain gears full of holes, and <laughs> dumpster yeah. it when you get home. But yeah, it's it's uh, well, the first first year or two that I kind of was working into this spot, it was it was even worse because I was I was just kind of on the wrong track as far mm-hmm. as access, and I was just spending a lot of time just up and down through these valleys that were. And the burn, the burn that I've been working through was kind of at the stage that the trees were falling down while I was hiking oh, too, which was interesting. Yeah. You know, I'd be hiking along and all of a sudden crash and I'd be like, whoa, there goes another one. But, so I don't know, you know, it's a little, a little different everywhere you go. You know, you got the Brooks range with those huge wide river valleys and. Yep. Sorry. We're my son's at snap time <laughs> apparently. So yeah. Wore himself out. But. 
but yeah, it's, I don't know if I actually have not hunted the Brooks for sheep. I've hunted it for caribou before, but, uh, but you know, I've done the wrangles and the Alaska range and the white mountains and different parts of the, you know, which it's down. It's, it's funny cause I've hunted, um, I've never hunted the wrangles, um, any of that i'm trying to not get myself in trouble <laughs> so i there, there's another spot that i have not hunted that you've hunted um you know i haven't hunted i've hunted goats in the chugach but not sheep chugach is miserable oh man yeah but uh hats off to the guys who do hunt that all the time because yeah, it's no rough kidding. country no but uh you know, most of, most of my hunts have been up in the brooks, although it's been maybe like four, going on four or five years since I've hunted up there. Huh. This year, I don't know what the plan is with the bow. I don't know whether to go somewhere that I know kind of, that I know well and I know what the sheep do right. and there's way fewer sheep or try to go somewhere that has better numbers yeah. and try to yeah. work it out, you know. That's, that's a tough one for me too. Sometimes I tend to, I tend to pick lower density even then I get less people, but which yeah. I don't know, means I don't always shoot, you know, I might shoot a sheep every yeah. two, What's, three, four years. You know, like but. I'd like to hear your take on, I don't know, for years, I used to be more involved with the kind of resident, non-resident allocation deal. Yeah. Cause you know, it seems like every cycle there's some stuff that gets pushed for the board of game, like with our hack and, you know, I used to be like try to be involved nowadays i'm just like you know what i don't have any problem finding sheep yeah and i if they they change stuff they're inevitably going to screw it up is how i look at it so i don't know that's my current demeanor towards it but you know i mean you see like you're on facebook you see some of the whining and complaining that that people do you know do you think it's you know a genuine like overall major issue or is people just lazy or just not know what they're doing not willing to work hard enough mm, yeah that's that is a big can of worms <laughs> <laughs> i you know there is I, I feel like there is some validity to it um uh you know i'm kind of the same i've got a few little areas that tend tend to you know i tend to be able to get sheep there you know every every couple of years at least um outside of outside of drawings you know um but yeah, I feel like yeah, that's what we're um, yeah. yeah is general harvest areas right. yeah right. Um, certainly, you know, you get those weekend warriors that you know hardly want to get off their four wheeler or off of a trail kind of thing. But uh, but I don't know, you know, I think I think for the average Joe who doesn't have money to fly in, that it it's a bit and and that doesn't get a permit, mm-hmm. it is a little bit tough. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I think they certainly shouldn't expect to get a sheep, maybe even for a couple of years starting off. And yeah. and that could be discouraging. You know, I could see yep. people saying, look, everywhere I go is overrun with people. Like I, I hike in five yeah. miles and somebody's already there ahead of me with a plane. And, and, um, uh, I, uh, that's probably not a real popular viewpoint, but I don't, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'd probably feel different if I had my own plane, but I actually wish they would do less kind of what I call grandfathering in of, of airplane access for some of these places and, yeah. and restrict that a little more. Um, partially just because the capabilities of the planes now, you know, I mean, yeah. I've got friends that are, you know, they've got these planes that are all modded out and they're not much different than a helicopter. I mean, I mean, they are, but they I mean, can land but, but incredibly. Seen, seen like some of those, you know, whether it's the stole kits or whatever oh, that you can 
guy, I mean, we've all seen them on YouTube videos where they get a good head, good steady head when you can put them down almost like a helicopter. Yep. Yep. And some of the, you know, some of those, those videos are fun. Some of those things they do down in Valdez and stuff. I was watching one the other night, in fact, where, uh, the guy, you know, he hit the, you know, they've got this line that they're trying to land mm-hmm. on. He hit that with his front tires and stopped before his back tire crossed that line. He stopped in less distance than the length of his plane. Wow. Yeah. Now, granted, that's probably not a plane he's taking sheep hunting, right? I mean, yeah. the cowling covers are off, and it's modded out. But uh, I've got I've got friends with pretty severely or highly modified planes that are. I mean, they're using them for sheep hunting, and they can land and take off in unbelievable Places. short terrain. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a tough can of worms, you know, because, I, I mean, I'm probably of similar mindset, like, I, you know, when, when, especially when you're like the past few years been all on foot or, or chartering a plane or something, you know, it can be, it can be easy and discouraging to be, you know, you walk, which is where I met in a, met a guy that ended up being a, becoming a buddy. Um, you walk 16 miles and then up there's guys, you know, put their cubs in there. Yep. So that that can be discouraging, but I also try to remind myself that hey, if I had a cub, I'd be doing the exact same freaking <laughs> well, that's, thing. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. so I I don't know, for me personally, I try to balance out what would I what is just jealousy and what is like really fair or maybe like a detriment to the resource, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I think you know, you were talking about the whole res and non-res thing. Um well, maybe I'll back up first, but the plane thing, I think my main thing with that is, um, <clears throat> is that some of these units, even maybe like some of these, you know, like TMA, for instance, yeah, maybe even more so than the DCU, so much of that is surrounded by road system, you know? So yeah. it's, so it's a great unit, a great hunt for walk-in hunters mm-hmm. or people that just have four wheelers, um, so that that unit by itself is one that I'd love to see just become basically, you know, maybe it could be motorized with four wheelers or or just go to plane and walk walk in access, you know. Yeah, instead or, of, or even have, you know, like the Delta motorized one have in some of the very remote I don't know, you could go either way, but maybe have a couple points of, of aircraft access because Yeah. Like I was, I don't know if I had talked to you about it specifically, so sorry to the listener if I've told the story 50 <laughs> times, but I, uh, I, I don't know, I drug my toes cause I wasn't sure I had kind of my, one of my sheep hunting mentors, um, was one of the guys that pushed to get that yeah. turned to a draw area and they'd hunted it for a long time before it was. Right. But, uh, he, I was kind of waiting for him. We were going to go down there. And go try and find the biggest ram we could find in the whole unit and hunt and figure out a plan to hunt him. Right. And uh, he didn't hadn't got his airplane back. This is all preseason, you know, not uh, scouting during the season. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> didn't work out. And so he, you know, I'd been waiting to figure out what I was going to do. So I intentionally was sandbagging, booking any kind of charter or anything. So like last minute, I called 40 Mile and um, they had had a cancellation in a couple, two places. One of them ended up being the one I found out the next day that I was wanting to go to. Oh yeah. And so I called him back and they'd already booked it. And he's like, well, I'll, you know, I, I would fly. I, with the, I told him my kind of game plan to hunt three of those drainages. And, uh, he said, well, I could fly you in there before the other guys, if you promise to only hunt. And I said, you know, 
I, I respect that, but like, yeah. I'll just walk in and hunt where I want to. Yeah, no kidding. And it ended up working out really well, obviously. But right, even right. like that country, you know, it's not easy to walk into, but a lot of the stuff, it's people getting dropped off and everywhere. You could use a four-wheeler to get to, yep. to just make it foot accessible too. Yeah. Which that's yep. another thing. There's a big difference between the, the people that just, will not that won't get off their four wheelers or and call that like you know yeah I don't know, everyone has their own perspective <laughs> for me just like the 40 mile caribou hunt that we did you know buzzing around and like walking 50 yards all day long yeah isn't really like what i'm looking for in a quality hunting experience it was <laughs> yeah, just i a, call that i call that more harvesting just than, a it was hunting. a me, yeah it was a meat run <laughs> yeah. but uh there's a difference between that and you know, like I've in a lot of the previous year, well, this year included, you know, use a four wheeler to cover some, you know, to cover some ground to yeah. get where you start walking. Yeah, exactly. Get get over some of that initial terrain. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I I got nothing against planes really, but I I wish that there might, and I think I think it'll have to eventually. You know, as you know, populations not generally, although we've lost a little bit of population in Alaska, but generally populations growing right. Yeah. Like, space gets tighter and so i think some of these more road accessible areas i personally would like to see them go to more walk-in you know and and then the areas yeah. that are hard to access keep them you know fine planes yeah no problem <laughs> don's over <laughs> yeah i'm tall i got long legs like, <laughs> but no there's but we've all been there i mean i've, oh, I've yeah. had that happen to me in the whites you know hike way in and then it's like well crud you know there's a plane right there on the ridge where i'm headed like so yeah it's <laughs> But. It's tough. I think certain areas can have their their crowding issues for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had oh, my cousin a few years ago. That was actually the Wrangles, which the area he was in is not usually real crowded. But he had you know some jackass buzzing him with a plane and trying to jack up his hunt, and it's like yeah, you know, it's like come on, <laughs> yeah, that stuff's just to the point of being inexcusable. You yeah. know, like I, yeah. I don't know. I, I I think it's probably overall a good thing, even if it's however unenforceable it may be to the not right. spotting sheep during no, the agree. season, because it you know as much as anything, I don't think it was a lot of guys intentionally ruining people's hunts or, but I mean there I think I've had it happen before where you 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 know you're trying to stalk a group of sheep or whatever. Or, or waiting them out, waiting for it to get in a good spot, and then someone comes and just, yeah. you know, buzzes them tight and runs them out of the, you know, <laughs> runs them out. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that yeah. reminded me when you said that. Uh, took kind of unrelated, but uh, probably my weirdest experience that way was it was actually was a Delta tag that I had, and uh, apparently they were running like one of those Wilderness Classic races through there at the same oh, yeah. time frame. Yeah, so that's weird. <laughs> We were up, kind of up in this pass, and I was actually, it was my brother and I again, and we were on a on a group of rams, like putting a stock on them, and all of a sudden this helicopter just just comes rising up into the pass and sits there and it's kind of hovering. Of course, the sheep, you know, they take oh, off, man. and we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then a few days later, we actually ended up, we just kept after those sheep and got them, like, got them late in the day, managed to wait them out and got them, but... Um, it was funny then the next, you know, the next few days as we were hiking out, I think it went, took us eight days on that hunt, but we started running into the racers, which is pretty oh. funny. You know, we're all <laughs> up there, like all loaded down with sheep and hauling everything out. And these guys are running along. They got like these little tiny backpacks with nothing but a couple yeah. of squares of toilet paper, you know? Oh <laughs> like, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. A race like that would be weird. Cause you gotta, 
you know, I'm sure they monitor them pretty closely, but oh, I would I would not feel okay <laughs> in that yeah. wild, you know, when everything works out fine, you don't realize, but as soon as something goes wrong, like you'd realize how oh, far yeah. away from help you might be, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, they do some pretty interesting, pretty interesting races on some of those, but... <laughs> You know, like, cross country, you know, yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> nuts. Um, but yeah, I wanted to back yeah. up, you know, you were asking about the the perceptions, but I will say, and you probably were involved in that some, I, I was kind of going to board meetings and stuff in that time frame a few years ago where they were, you know, gathering a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that guy at the university was gathering yeah. that all up. And then I don't know if you went to the presentation I where he did, presented it, but I went to one of those. I, I yeah. was still, I, I remember it and I was involved to a degree. I remember meeting with him. Yeah. I think I still probably still have the whole paperwork stack from that, but uh, you know, perceptions are just perceptions, right? And he had a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of good data came out of that. And uh, it seems like they've made some decent changes to the regs since yeah. then, you know, as far yeah. as even, you know, I have no bone to pick with non-residents, but I've, I've seen more hunts go to, you know, one tag every four years, for yeah. instance, for non-residents. And I think that's appropriate. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, and people will say, and initial, my initial impression with that was like, well, what percentage of guys are coming up on guided hunts every one, one every four years? But I think what that really was about was the uh, next of kin. Mm, yeah. You know, coming up to hunt with your brother or whatever, which, which I think is fine. I mean, I'd... My my buddy Steve's brother came up every year to hunt with him, and I want to say that they actually pulled data, and it was a surprising number of non-residents that were coming up to hunt with family. Yeah, yeah. like on a regular basis. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah. I, you know, it was it was a more significant number of sheep getting killed yeah. than I than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. And for, for the sure. average, you know, I say the average guy, the average guy that's going to come on a sheep hunt up here with a guide you know you're not going to be coming more than once in every four years and killing one no kidding yeah just with the cost you know so yeah yeah but yeah yeah, and you uh you like to hunt sheep by yourself huh for the most part don't you most of your hunts what would you say over the years it has ended up being yeah mostly solo yep yep um you know, it's funny. I don't know if I would necessarily say that I prefer that, but it's yeah. just kind of ended up being that way. You know, I've mentioned my brother several times. He's usually been my, my hunting partner, mm-hmm. and he's but he's kind of a workaholic, so <laughs> August <laughs> is usually a bad time for him. <laughs> I tend to go in August, usually sometimes September, but he, uh, he'll be like, yeah, maybe. And then, you know, as we get closer, he's like, no, I can't. I got all this stuff to do and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He runs a bed, big bed and breakfast place and stuff, so... So yeah, I usually usually end up going solo. So I think the majority of my rams have been solo. Yeah. Do you uh, have many family or friends that 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 call you crazy every year for doing that? <laughs> yeah, I think it uh, probably rightly so. It worries a few people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you've done it. I mean, solo hunting is a. Uh, uh, each, each, you know, kind of hunting has its own beauty and, uh, solo is, is different. Yeah. I, you know, I definitely slow down. I take my time mm-hmm. a little more and, and you think things through a little more, which is kind of funny. I mean, you really shouldn't take any more risks when you're with somebody than, yeah, exactly. than alone. You're in but, just a dangerous situation. Right, right. But, but I definitely feel like I probably am more careful alone, take less risks and move, move a little slower. And <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, of course, like I've only done, I guess, if you wanted to get technical, I've done, I've gone three times solo. One of them was like a turn and burn, you know, three, I think I was out gone three nights 
type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I almost don't count that one, but I've killed two rams by myself. That like that one right there, that broomed one, and yeah, then the one this year, this past year. Okay. Okay. Um, I I think there's some things that are super cool about it. Like, do you ever find that you just get so focused, like more focused than when you're hunting with someone in a way? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And on the other side of the coin though, I've also had years where I probably was more distracted by not having somebody else yeah. there to kind of keep me going too, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, there's definitely those years where you get kind of dialed in and you're like, I'm going to, you know, you know, I put all this effort, especially alone to come do this. I'm giving it my best, you know, while I'm here and yeah. maximize this. Yeah. 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 So. And it's also like, it's, can be challenging because you don't have someone and it can, it's obviously you know it's more lonely that bothers some people more than others but yeah. uh you know you don't have anyone to bounce ideas <laughs> off of and yep you just kind of go but i don't know it's it's i think everybody that's physically able should do it at least once you know just to experience like how yeah. many people uh, i don't know yeah i guess things wouldn't be that different in the mountain like down in the rockies down lower 48 but right you know, man, like it's, there's not the percentage of, of people in this country, like how, what percentage of people do you think ever go in the mountains by themselves for a week or 10 days right. and don't talk to, don't verbally talk, at least verbally talk to another soul. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, no kidding. Well, and there is somewhat of a difference. I mean, depending on how you get there, uh, you know, some of our areas up here, you're days from help. I mean, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Unless you, you know, I think you know, these in reach and, and spot devices have kind of, they've kind of revolutionized that a little bit, you know, and I have kind of mixed feelings about technology to some aspect, but, but I've got one of those and it's, it, yeah. it at least allays some of the fears of the people back home. You know, I'll usually send a canned text, you know, once a day, like everything's all right, you know, and cause they'll, you know, they'll watch you yeah. once in a while. They'll be like, Oh, he hasn't really moved in like a day and a half. I'm yeah. like, What's going on? Is he all right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, if you don't hear from me, um, there's probably not going to be, <laughs> it's too late. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I, I guess utilize that stuff a little more. It helps my, you know, my wife. And, yeah. And it's nice yeah. to pee if you got pee, especially if it's more for the benefit of the people that are worrying about you than, than yourself. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that goes a long ways too. And it's funny cause we'll, I have like three or four buddies that are also out in the fields at the same time when we're texting each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, reach, the, whole, the whole time in reach to in reach, seeing how everybody's doing. And, you know, it can definitely help burn some batteries and pass some time in the tent. <laughs> I brought a big, I got a big battery bank, you know, that I can charge camera batteries or my phone or, uh -huh. or whatever on that thing. It's do you, are, do, you, do you do any solar charging? I charge all of my stuff solar now. I mean, I guess if I, you got stuck in a week of rain, that'd be a problem. Yeah, but. I don't, I don't really currently have a great, because the, I have one, it's like an old Brunton yeah. flip open, you pre-charge it and then you can also solar charge, you know, it's a solar charging battery. Sure. But, uh, I haven't brought it in a while. I don't really, I think I, they've got a lot better stuff out now that yeah. if I really want to get involved with it, I just, it was always the trade off to like, all right, I guarantee I'm guaranteed to have this much power or. I could maybe do more. I probably shouldn't bring both. Right, right. So as <laughs> as you well know, everything's a trade off. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, I was just sitting here thinking while we were talking. I think 
I think I think five out of my I mean five out of my six Rams I think were solo. So yeah, yeah. no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely and tons of trips in between that were solo. You know where I passed or or didn't get a didn't get a Ram. So yeah, I've yeah. I remember that one that was the heartbreaker when with <laughs> yeah. your your break was throwing moss up in the yep. air because you'd set your phone up to record. <laughs> it's like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody's like yeah. Nobody's missed a sheep until they have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah. And that's not bragging either. But I haven't had too. You know, I've had. I may have had. I guess I had one other miss in the wrangles one time, but that was just a screaming windstorm, and the, I probably shouldn't have been flinging lead. But he was, you know, in the wide open. It was like, well, yeah, there's a chance, you know. But uh, until then, that's been my only other miss. But <laughs> <laughs> and that was a that was kind of a purely. I don't know why I missed. That was kind of an amateur move. I mean, I had the ballistics, you know taped on the butt of my rifle and I yep. ranged him and it was like, I just didn't, didn't hold over him enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I had one that, let's see which one was it. It was this one. I missed him five times in a row. I had nine bullets. Oh, I yeah. missed him five times in a row. I ended up killing him three days later, <laughs> nice. two or three days later. But, uh, it was just a, I didn't, I thought my, rangefinder was accounting for angle but you had to set it to that oh yeah yeah and my rangefinder binoculars you had to manually set it to that mode and i'm so it's at a pretty good angle and i had to i wasn't cutting enough <laughs> off i was just shooting for or you know for straight yeah. line distance and i couldn't believe it wasn't it was like hitting right over his back huh and I'm I'm losing my composure after a couple times, and I'm like, just trust the gu- you know, trust the gun, like right. Because right. more often than not, like I've shot this rifle at this range enough that I know that it's something I'm doing. You know, it's like a fluke. So I just hit a, basically this. If I remember correctly, I try to block it out of my memory, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think I you know I basically hit the same spot five times in a row, huh, and finally I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Like I'm not. Yeah. You know, you get you get the first few chances where they'll stop. You know, they'll run. I'm not shooting at them running, but yeah. where they before they figure, and then finally it's just like, no, nah, we're just we just got to yeah. scrap this, no. or something bad's going to happen. I agree. Yeah, you kind of lose your you're starting to hurry shots, and as yep. you miss, and yeah, I know. Yeah, this one, I don't know. It probably was some of the same thing with that. You know, it was a steep really steep downward downward you know angling shot and uh that's probably the other thing i didn't probably take into account enough of of that aspect of yeah. it but but uh yeah i was i was shooting i mean i was perfect left to right i could see the dust flying but i was i was shooting under yeah him. <laughs> yeah yeah it's but. uh oh it's just funny i mean every well it's not funny in the moment but if you haven't been doing it long <laughs> like if you do it long enough you are gonna have a bad shot yeah, with man. anything man i mean it a while back, yeah, posted this video that grizzly that I I wounded and didn't wasn't able to recover and I'm, it was still alive and didn't kill it, but uh, of course you know and I I don't know I'm prepared for him the yeah oh you need to <clears throat> you know basically just need to not suck as much or oh be more prepared or whatever I was like look I was sh- shooting really good it just it yeah I'm sorry out of if out of you know five grizzlies i get shots at with my bow if i have one that's like not just something and it's not even that i can remember what happened yeah exactly or what went wrong it felt like a good shot and it just it was very very close to being a perfect oh, man. shot but oh, man. 
Well, well yeah, I think I having mean, a short memory and being able to move on <laughs> is kind of important. Uh, yeah. Well, that that sheep too was probably the furthest I've ever. You know, six hundred yards. So that's probably the furthest. But it was perfect. You know, pretty much windless conditions, and just yeah. he was laying down, and it was. But it's probably the furthest shot I've taken at sheep. But, but yeah, the whole wounding thing. You know, I think we've I think we've all been there. Yeah. And, uh, um, I actually is probably sounds terrible, but I'm kind of glad. Like I lost my first, my very first deer. Actually, yeah. I, uh, I forget how old I was, but I climbed up to the kind of this triangle of woods, and there was open field on top it ends. It was I'd, back in Oregon. Yeah, and I moved up there in the dark blacktail, blacktail deer, and uh, was kind of sitting it out behind a rock out in this field, waiting for it to lighten up. You know, I knew there was deer kind of in this area, and. Uh, you know, sure enough, as it got light, these deer that had moved off of the fields below or had kind of filtered through the timber and were just on the edge of it at the top end. And, uh, nice, I don't know, I, he was like a three by three, but nice, nice blacktail buck and, uh, shot him, you know, hit him somewhere, probably somewhere low in a, in the, in a front shoulder, you know, leg or something. <clears throat> And I had bad, you know, that was back when I was young and get bad buck fever. I'd be all shaky, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I shot this thing and, and, uh, I might've recovered him if I would have stayed still, you know, he fell down, was thrashing around. Well, you know, I did the classic get up and run, you know, like run towards him and, uh, and, uh, yeah, got, of course he saw me come and got up and took off, you know? Whether or not he died, I mean, he probably did, but I, I hunted that uh, Triangle Woods for three or four days trying yeah. to find him, you know, even though I, I knew he'd be spoiled by the time I found him. But, yeah. But never did, but it kind of made me, made me extra, I probably have not taken a lot of shots that I should have taken actually in the years yeah. since then just because of that, which I kind of ended up being glad that it happened. It was like, you know, it made me a lot more cautious and cognizant of my shots. And Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh... You know, you get the whole spectrum of people that, and I don't know, I probably, you know, I probably fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, You get the whole spectrum, and it's also, it's not a stagnant thing like you grow, you know, ideally you grow, as you grow as a hunter, you know, you don't expect people to, you're not born knowing the right way to do things, if that, if it's, that's even the right way to say that, but, uh, yeah, and I think, well, I'm sorry not to cut you. I'm trying to remember what the heck I was, uh, I had there. You don't want to be flippant about it or the shots you take, you right. know, there are people out there that, oh, well, there's a chance I might get it yeah. type of thing where, you know, ideally I would think a person wants to grow into a spot where, you know, Every shot you take into account, you know, it's almost sometimes like a sixth sense sort of thing. You mm-hmm. take account all these, take into account all these variables, and it's either sometimes I don't even know why I feel like I shouldn't shoot. Yeah, when I'm That's... like, oh, by the numbers, I sh- this should be a slam dunk. And then there's shots that other people are like, oh, why the why the hell did you take do that? When I'm like, there was not any doubt in my mind that that cheap or whatever was dead yeah. before i ever pulled the trigger yeah yeah that is interesting isn't it well and there's you know there's some value i think most states require it now some states didn't for a long time but you know i had taken hunter's safety hunter's mm-hmm. ad and all that and those i'm glad those those are good programs you know i think everyone should have to have to go through those kind of programs but there's still you know still the whole learning piece and getting over the whole buck fever thing yeah and all they're that good jazz. they're good starting points yeah. you know and there's still personal ethics involved you know i hunted 
I hunted with kids in Oregon. We were all in high school then that, uh, they'd been through the same hunter's ed that I had, you know, but they yeah. were taking lots of risky shots and they lost a lot of deer. I mean, they killed a lot more deer than I did, yep. but they also lost a lot more. And I, I don't know, that never sat right with me. So yeah. it's, it's a serious to me, you know, it's uh it's kind of a respect thing. It's still, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you're taking a life, you know, so you got to yeah. do your best to, to do that cleanly and quickly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You it's know? uh you know, when you're anytime you're you're dealing in killing animals it, it's not a, it's nothing's perfect about it so there's a that you just kind of accept that it's not always going to work out the way you want it to right. i think the biggest thing and the most telling thing if you know if i was like going to assume is how people deal with the bad shots they have you yeah, because I've seen guys that doesn't doesn't bother them at all. Like, move on to the next one. Show mm. me the next one. You know, it's like client, you know, deer hunting clients yeah. and stuff like that. It's just oh, oh well. You know, where is it? It bugs me, man. I mean, even when I when I do make a bad shot, and I and I know that hey, this stuff happens. You know, like that damn. There was some lady giving me shit about that grizzly bear one. I'm like, look. This bothers me way, like, you're going to be forgotten about this by tomorrow. It's like, I think about it every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For so, sure. and, and you know, those of us do our best to uh, to do the best we can. That's and, and right, that's right. Well, and I, you know, the, you know, outside of sheep, I usually am hunting with somebody else. So, that's, that's always been a factor when I pick hunting partners, you know. I don't, yeah. uh, if I get any sense that they're flippant about that kind of stuff, they're not. I don't hunt with them, you know, yeah. it just doesn't happen. That so. or gun safety, you know. And that too. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. I don't, I don't want to see that barrel crossing my body yeah. every time I turn around. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that, that whole ethics thing, I, tr I really do not try to get too philosophical or like intellect. <laughs> I wouldn't call this an intellectual podcast, <laughs> but, uh, um, I guess if I, but there was at down at shot show that I was just at, had an interesting conversation or got an interesting lecture um, <laughs> with this individual. And most of it I'm going to save for a different one I got yeah. coming up. But um, part of it was uh, having to do with, with meat salvage. And like, because I've noted, you know, mm -hmm, you're de mm -hmm. definitely not holding back on, on how you feel about the ethics of, of salvaging meat and stuff, which is great. Yeah. And it, and ultimately like we don't have to have, everybody's going to have a little bit different perspective right. on, on any of these subjects, but there's a lot of people out there that don't have near the conscience that, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I guess, I guess to get into it, there was a little background to not reveal too much of this conversation. Um, down there I had a, grizzly claw necklace on that or brown bear is my first brown bear and it's like the one occasion i yeah break it out you know the novel <laughs> a lot the novelty alaskan thing but All right uh, you know and you ever had where someone starts initiates a conversation with you and you pretty quickly realize that they're you're like being set up oh, for yeah leading you yeah, so, you know, there's these leading questions and having to do with grizzly bears, and one of them's like, one of them's like, it was something like, it was late, so, and noisy, but it was something like, uh, oh, did you bring all the meat, did you salvage the meat from 
those are they first asked like oh what's that oh, it's brown bear claw and oh you hunt grizzlies you know or yeah so do you do you bring the meat out and whatever and i'm like well i've I've tried the ones I've killed, but none of them have been worth a shit. Like, been just awful. Uh-huh. Oh, I've tried three of the four. The last one, I just smelled yeah. when I was cutting Oof. it up. And it, and it was probably. after they eliminated the salvage requirements. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one thing that that kind of <laughs> I wanted to bring up as a topic of conversation with you was... Yeah, I, I said something like that. Like the ones I I've tried have not been any good. Yeah. And so and you said, "Well, I take and I take wanton waste very seriously." Type of base. I'm kind of paraphrasing, uh-huh. but you know, I take wanton waste very seriously, and blah blah blah. And and I'm like, "Well, you kind." I tried to establish this. Like you kind of have to establish what we're defining as wanton waste because people. Like a lot of terms, people are very flippant with them. Uh, yeah. I, and so I tried to illustrate this. I said, well, well, what what do you think needs to be done? Oh, well, the quarters, you know. And well, I, you know, this animal I shot, I packed all the quarters and back straps out. And I'm like, waiting. <laughs> right. And so I'm rest. like, and <laughs> no, that's what, you know. And I'm like, well, just to illustrate a point, if you do that with a moose or a sheep or whatever up here, you're... Well, you're going, we'll finish this caught. thought. If you get caught, we'll, we'll finish this thought. You're, I said you're going to jail. Yeah. Which yeah. that's a, whole, a little bit different topic of discussion, whether you're actually going to jail. But, uh, yeah. Well, you'll at you're, least be losing some, some hunting yeah, privileges you're, you're and maybe suppo- your rifle. And- you are supposed to go to jail. <laughs> right. Um, but I was just trying to do this to illustrate the point, like, it all depend. These terms get thrown around so much by people, and, and this person was not... Yeah. A very seasoned hunter mm-hmm. and was in a position of somewhat influence, which that, that kind of yeah, that's... gets under my skin a little bit. Not that, not that people that aren't as experienced shouldn't have be in positions of influence. Cause I think everybody has value or brings value to the table with sure. their experience <clears throat> level. Um, but you got, you can't talk about stuff you don't know about. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I don't know where I was getting with all yeah, this. Um, waste. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got the the law aspect of it. Of course, it's spelled out there, but um, I don't know. To me, it's fairly cut and dried. You know, for the most part, you know, at least on your big game animals and stuff. You know, it's and it's, you know, certainly there's portions of meat that maybe aren't as you know, yeah, aren't as fry pan ready or whatever. Yeah. You know, but uh, but you can still grind it up. You know, throw it in your burger, throw yeah, it in your totally. whatever, and uh, so I. I don't necessarily bring out all the organ meat, although sometimes I bring parts of that too for yeah. people that I you yeah, know, totally. know that want it. You know, like oh, this person wants the tongue and blah blah blah. So, and I guess I guess that's kind of what I what I was wanting to get at is is rather than jump in and like get all over someone for not um, there's a balance between the law and personal ethics, and I guess I would say in general we like to think that the law overlaps with the majority of our personal ethics. Some people like, you know, don't feel like things that are required (laughs) are really ethically required. And some people are, um, you know, their ethics hold them to a, what they would say a higher standard than the law does. And that's all, all well and good. But, um, man, there's just so much like lack of 
under I don't even even know what to call it, you know, with the grizzly stuff specifically, you know, this person had ne- admittedly had never tried it. Yeah. You know, and a lot of a lot of it may be regional. Like I just get irritated when people that don't live here or or have experience with it like try to try to tell us what's and how sure. do you balance also how do you balance like the emotional side because a lot of these people and this person I I believe I got the impression was in that kind of like hyper emotional huh yeah um maybe not hyper emotional but more like fall under the line of thinking of or influence of some people that man I'm like totally falling apart <laughs> if I if I if I need to get philosophical, I can just change the name of this to the Tundra Collective and move to Bozeman. There we go. So, <laughs> but, um, buy yourself so, a forerunner. Yeah, buy yeah, but a forerunner or, or a Tundra with a topper and yeah. a Yeti on top or something. But uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It, like how it's how part of the thing is how do you balance the you know emotional or like individual convictions on stuff like that with the science mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. stuff. Cause you know, the, the hippy dippy types, the science based stuff doesn't have near the influence, even though it's like, no, this is how like it, yeah, this is how it works. You know, they want to kill, you know, they, they've determined, you know, if, if having more moose for us to eat or the, the ecosystem in general to, right two feet on was wolves, bears, whatever, right? We got to kill a bunch of grizzly bears in this area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And ultimately it doesn't matter. And I don't know how really exactly how I'm relating this to meat, but it was just kind of a mess. And my head's still a little <laughs> bit of a mess about it. <laughs> you know, we got to kill this many of this in this area. And objectively it doesn't really matter how we do it. Yeah. You know, we, well, and I just don't know. I just, and I don't have the answers I'm just a dumb redneck that likes to kill stuff. But. Well, and in the end, I think what you're saying is the data kind of has to trump feelings, you know, yeah. as for some of that. You know, I see that in commercial in commercial fisheries, too. You know, I, I commercial fish, but I'm not in favor of a lot of commercial fishing practices, you know. And um, uh, you see that a lot where, you know, commercial fishermen, you know, and this is a terribly blanket statement here but uh really just kind of get in the face of people that are presenting some sound science you know no no we feed millions and and, you know totally discounting like bycatch and waste and you know same thing waste again and uh it's like no you you, commercial fishermen you know it's people that are doing that it's like you're just shooting yourself in the foot you really ought to be seeing how you can work with the data and stuff to preserve your fishery for one thing if you want to keep overfishing it till it's gone yeah you know then you're going to be crying then too, you know? So yeah, it's a big thing as far as, you know, as, as recreational or what sport, whatever hunting you want to call it. Um, we all, we all want this resource to continue yeah, that's huge. healthy and better than we had it, you know? So it's, I, I don't know. We just all into a degree, we all will have to have to come up with, with these, uh, general consensus, Right. Type things, which those are subject to change too, man. If you don't like the way, you know, if someone doesn't like the way another person does something, thinks it's detriment. Well, if you can, it may not be pretty. It may not, you may not be best buds about it, but if there's like structure in place to try and, and 
make stuff better and and make stuff more ideal and in align with our values and which i mean some of the stuff i see i'm like man am i just like a di- <laughs> already a dinosaur with <laughs> like i just can't relate oh man to a lot of stuff and you know and, and this person's argument was actually in wanting to establish that hunt in the lower 48 for the grizzlies yeah because i th- i think it you know, the science shows that it's at the point that hunting is an appropriate management sure. tool. Um, and I don't even, this arg- argument they were making, I don't know that it even is relevant because it's not, it's not like on a ballot initiative huh. type of thing. It's not swaying public opinion. It's a judge like turned it over when the scientists were saying, no, it's oh, time. I did hear about that actually. Yeah. So. You know, and criticizing, like I think it was criticizing, basically making the argument that we need to bring out the, this is a quote, bring out the quarters to appease, you know, to get people to buy into the hunt, which there's a big portion of them that are, do not care. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They're going to be against it no matter what. Um, And I was kind of like... I don't have any skin in the game. I don't care. If you think that'll help you get it passed, you know, <laughs> okay, you know, don't don't try to tell me what to do mm-hmm. up up here, you know, because I like I do my I do my very best to operate within both my conscience and the law. Yeah. Um so it's like you don't need to be giving me a lecture, but I'm like, <laughs> if you want to do it, sure. But I tried to illustrate I'm like I, and I'm going through this, oh, grizzly bear meat, how edible is it? I'm like, it's, you know, I'd say, you know, black bears are less unpredictable, but I'm like, you're probably going to have a few, a, a larger percentage of grizzly bears that just stank, yeah. you know, than black bears. And I'm like, well, well how do you, how are you going to handle that if you require to bring out the meat? And, oh, well, you know, they just throw it away or do something with it. I'm like, well, at least then we got to admit that Oof. that this requirement is just an appeasement. Yeah, it's yeah, it's no a kidding. lie, basically. Misleading. Yep. So you know, that's why I, I feel conflicted about that. Oh, I would too. And yeah. how, yeah. you know, like I said, I don't know what the answer is, um, but I feel wrong about. And same thing with like promoting a lot of hunting stuff to non-hunters. I think there's people that do a really good job about it, but there's also people that push these things to the point of not being true anymore. Mm, right. Um, right. So if you're just going to literally like lie and say that we're bringing this, cause they're not going to buy that you're bringing it out to do other stuff with it. They're, you're saying you're bringing it out to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you're up front already know in a lot of cases, that's just going to be a lie, you know, that you can criticize me all my want. Or say I'm shooting holes in the boat for just <laughs> wanting to be blunt about it, but that's kind of how yeah, I sit. And yeah, so, sorry yeah. for that. I probably just ranted for like 20 minutes. <laughs> no, in, I agree. In, I mean, I incoherent think, babble. Well, but, I agree. I think you just end up in more, more complications and more trouble. You know, if you try to, you know, mask what you're, you know, it should just be call it like it is. And, and yeah, uh, for bringing it out and we're doing something with it fine if we're not we're not and here's why you know yeah yeah and i don't know up here i feel like up here i don't know there's just not that issue like we we were talking earlier you know like grizzly bears are more of a fur bear and ultimately what's what's the difference between them and a wolf we're not required to bring wolf meat out well exactly yeah you want to eat the foxes you catch and the the wolves yeah yeah, and even lynx like i've heard lynx is is 
pretty good. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I I don't I I don't know that I've I may have tried it before, but we don't. It's not commonly right. consumed. Right. Exactly. You know, so part of it's it's that science emotion balance. Like, what really is we all whether for whatever reason we all recognize the ungulates as the the food animals yeah quality quality you know and more you know a lot of people eat bear meat i like black bear meat in general you know sometimes you get a a bad one yeah but i don't know maybe i'm just a little more emotionally detached than some people (laughs) Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings to know that I left, you know, I left a grizzly bear carcass. I, I do my, or wolves, you know, even like a rubbed up one, I'll at least skin them. Yeah. Figure I, I owe it that much to them. Yep. Yep. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, yeah, I know. I mean, I, you know, was just up near the nation river there and, and talked to a couple up there and they have so many bears up there. They don't shoot moose anymore. They just eat bears. You yeah. Know? But they don't eat, they're not eating grizzly bears. They're eating no. black bears, yeah. you know, so, and they shoot both kinds, but there's a definite difference to the uh, yeah <laughs> the table yeah. table fair quality of oh, the meat you know yeah so. for sure all the yeah. all the all the grizzly bears I've skinned the meat just has a certain odor to it that <laughs> yeah and I don't know how accurate this is but you know they generally seem to prefer, you know they, they they enjoy rotten meat a little rotten more than stuff, black bears yeah. do <laughs> yeah yeah that's but. for sure I mean sometimes black bears will get into that stuff but they. I try to tell people too, you know, yeah, they're, I guess you could say they're majestic, but they're a filthy animal. Yeah. They're just disgusting, <laughs> you know. Oh man, burying their stuff and laying you know, on it for a week. And something then, you yeah. get blood poisoning from just Oof. like a cut on your hand when you're skinning them or uh-huh. if anybody's ever laid them open and seen the worms that are just packed in their gut. They're Oof. like, don't, let's not kid ourselves. They're filthy, disgusting animals. <laughs> you know, they're cool. They're awesome. You know, I... <laughs> I don't, it's not like I want to go poison them all or anything, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Speaking of all this, of oh, wanton waste, man, it seems like there's been a lot of cases popping up recently. That that guy got sentenced down in Anchorage or down in Homer, was it? Yeah, was it a bunch of moose that he shot? Yeah, he shot and left like three moose, I want to say. Yeah. All sub-legal moose and Ah, multiple and... I heard he had a pretty good, because I saw a thread that was kind of, you know, some people were thinking it was a little overkill what he got, but I don't know. I think he probably deserved what he got, but I think a lot of people that do deserve more punishment don't, you know, like, you know, the classic one is, well, the guides get this and there's some guides that get hammered hard. Um, but like that chankster, he's mm-hmm. from what I, I don't know the guy, but from what I've heard right back into selling hunts, just, oh, man. and that no was kidding, some, really. some pretty horrendous uh, stuff he was convicted of. I yeah, think he's not the only outlaw guy. No, <laughs> no and there's uh <laughs> and it sucks cause those guys give, you know, those guys give the good outfitters a bad yeah, name, they do. Yep. a bad rap and create a lot of skepticism. Um, yep. Yep. But, which actually, yeah, it totally reminds me kind of off topic again, but. No. Backing up, you know, when you were talking about talking about the 40 mile about flying you in, that's one, you know, they're not necessarily guides, but they're out, you know, dropping people off mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's one thing I'll say about, about some of their practices is that they'll, you know, I've been, you can't control some of these private operators, but they're, you know, they, uh, they limit, uh, where they drop people and how many, you know, oh, where yeah. I, where I moose hunt, they yeah. tend, they actually drop 
40 mile drops hunters in there, but they limit it to like one or two guys a season and that's all they'll drop yeah. in there. And, and that's, that's pretty cool. I appreciate yeah, I that. think that's, that's a good self-policing thing and probably yeah. why they stay in business. You sure. Know? It's wise. Yeah. And they, uh, I had talked to him beforehand and kind of like out laid out my plan and they didn't want to initially didn't want to drop me off by myself, yeah. which that's just their that's standard practice. Didn't want to drop people, but I kind of had a couple resources that would vouch for me and say, Hey, <laughs> I can walk out of there if I have to. <laughs> sure. Um, but they, uh, ended up some weather's moving in like, it was like on the eighth or something on the night they f- flew like 50 feet over my tent. Cause I was up in a saddle and they had yeah. to come through low but after they flew over, I know they saw me, and then they avoided that little area nice. right there because they're having to fly through sure. that country every uh, day. Right. So I, I definitely appreciated that. That is cool. That's cool. It seems like they they run pretty well on the up and up. Yeah, like that. But like uh, that. yeah, there's uh, <laughs> that guy in Anchorage. There was what was there was another big wildlife case. I know there's one that's in the court still that I think is going to be interesting to see the, see the results of yeah. here in town. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I just there's, don't, there's definitely, yeah, there's people that if you want to call it hunting, they're hunting for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, my boys can't stumbled in. He's played in the garage, stumbled in here and, nap time so he's out but uh yeah man what uh tell me about your moose season this year i had oh, yeah. we had a pretty pretty lame moose season if it i gotta was admit. slow in a lot of areas wasn't it for whatever yeah. reason yeah more more greenery warmer i don't know what it was but you know we um i tend to yeah probably when i started off my moose hunting years i hunted a lot of low country you know river hunts kind of mm-hmm. stuff which i still love those you know because the scenery is constantly changing and stuff love hunting along rivers but um but for decades now, I've hunted high country mm-hmm. for moose and, uh, and, um, you know, just better visibility. I see way more generally a lot more bulls, um, at least where I'm at, um, compared to where I was river hunting. And I don't know this year, it really, I don't know if they might've behaved a little differently. I don't feel like we saw less bulls this year. We yeah. still saw, we usually see anywhere from, you know, we don't see a ton, but we usually see anywhere from eight to 10 bulls mm-hmm. in the, in the area that we hunt. And, uh, that's about what we saw this year, but, um, they did seem, uh, even into pretty late in the season, they weren't, they were maybe a little less responsive yeah. for sure. Um, but uh, I did finally call, he was a younger one, you know, sometimes they'll come in a little stronger anyway, but I did end up, uh, it was kind of funny. We had, how did that work out? I'm trying to think now. Oh, my, my cousin and I, we'd kind of seen a, a, a big bull kind of, we hunt this big bowl, kind of this Alpine bowl. But it's kind of, it's an old burn and it's kind of grown up over the years, you know, some mm-hmm. of it's kind of head high stuff. And, and, uh, anyway, we saw a pretty big, you know, he, we thought he was pushing 60 high fifties for sure. Bull on the opposite wall, uh, and was right at first light, you know, and then what they tend to do in this bowl is they'll come up and sometimes they'll hang for a few days in that bowl. But a lot of times when they start moving, I mean, they're, they're going out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and if you're going to, if you're going to catch them, you got to get ahead of them and, and do it fast generally. But, uh, so I don't know, we'd woken up, woke up in the morning and there was this big bull and he was headed out when we saw him and it was like, oh crud. So we kind of hustled around the top end of this bowl and it's a couple of miles across. I mean, it's like two miles across and, uh, hustled around the top end and 
tried to work in on him, but I think we never, we actually never saw him again. I think huh. we spooked him out when we went around kind of the head of the bowl. I think he was a lot closer to the trail than I thought he was, mm-hmm. um, or at least had gotten, gotten there by the time we got there. So, you know, we worked in from a couple of different spread out and worked in on this area and never, never saw him, never heard him. I was like, what the heck? And worked back around, you know, worked back around to spike camp and, and he was gone. I mean, we're scanning, you know, glassing the whole bowl and he just flat was gone. He mm-hmm. popped out over the top side, I think. But anyway, after we got over there, there was a, uh, my cousin went back ahead of me first. And then, so I don't know, about an hour later, I showed up at camp and he said, Oh, there's another bull over there. And I was like, well, call him in. You know, and he's, he thought I was kidding. Mm-hmm. It was like two miles out and he's like, All right. he's like, you gotta be joking. I'm like, no, let's call him in. <laughs> so... So I started calling and, uh, he came in, I mean, it's two miles and like I said, a lot of it's head high. I mean, it's yeah. rough country. You had to go way down the bottom of the canyon and come up and uh, he, that bull covered it in 45 minutes. Jeez. Came in and I called him right in, <laughs> right onto the knob, uh, 50 yards from the wall tent. <laughs> Isn't that funny how sometimes when it works, like it almost seems impossible, but you can get like those things will come exactly to where you were. They will. And sometimes they'll do it days later. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've called and I've got friends a lot. You have too. I'm sure a lot of friends have done it. You know, you call in a certain spot and two days later or a day later, boom, there's a moose. He's right there. Like it just took him a long time to move in. Yeah. That's why I, you know, and it's, it's kind of the tricky thing about moose hunting because it can get when it's slow. (laughs) Yeah. It can get so discouraging and you want so bad to just go try calling a different spot or whatever. But yeah, I just keep telling myself this, this is how this will give you the best odds. Yeah. You know, if you're within a couple miles in, you know, they can hear so far when the conditions are right. If you're within a couple miles, you know, it just pays just to stay in the same spot. I mean, I don't know how yep. many guys I've talked to that said, oh, they finally gave up and went to a different spot. And then the next morning there was a bull standing right where they had been <laughs> calling before. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, ours was, I don't know, talked about it several times, so I won't rehash that. But it was, <laughs> it was a little disappointing this year. Yeah. So hopefully. Well, you know, that high country too, it's, it's kind of it's been a great place to learn moose because you can, I can see them a lot of times for, so with the calling them in over days aspect, yeah. I've done that a couple of times now where it's like, I can see a moose a couple of miles out yeah. and I'll call, 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 you know, every morning, a little bit mid morning, later in the season, maybe even later in the day, you know, yeah. depending all depends on the season, but, um, and been able to actually watch them come in over that distance over the course of, yeah, a day, two days. Yeah. Um, the bull I killed before that one, took me two days to call him in spotted Man. him in two days and he had cows with him like he didn't want to come in like it was a slow hmm. kind of a slow process but two days later i called him right across the river and boom nice <laughs> so yeah that's that moose hunting's fun it's yeah. a lot of work it's the fun's over once the trigger's pulled but, uh, uh, it's, it's sobering isn't it when you walk up to one of those it's oh, like man. holy shit how did the like you oh it's like you forget how big they are she's oh, like man we got a lot of work <laughs> i don't know do you are you pretty picky on the spots you'll shoot them in you know uh i am anymore um most of where i'm at we can get to them generally yeah. even if we got to cut a little brush and stuff but I've, I've packed one or two and that's, yeah, you do that a few times. And you're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding, man. <laughs> I know there's, there's, 
I quickly learned that there's a reason my grandpa would never shoot a bull he couldn't back couldn't back the truck up to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my uncle said when he was a kid, they there's quite a few that he's like, "Come on, Dad, shoot him!" You know. <laughs> yeah, Dad's like, "Ah, no way." Yeah, it's funny. The last one we uh we packed it was short distance, but um uh we we actually made like a litter basically like a, oh yeah yeah that was pretty cool a couple nice. of spruce poles and lashed a bunch of rope and we'd throw a quarter on there and then two of us would hike you know with that between us it worked out pretty well but <laughs> yeah that seems like it would not be too bad of an too bad of an idea especially if you got you know you don't not dealing with a bunch of brush and stuff yeah yeah that was kind of a funny funny little hunt i was up high again and my dad shot that one and i could see him you know down on the river and i could see he was moving in on this moose and but the moose was across the river mm-hmm. that we were hunting along and uh so i get to watch his whole stock you know and eventually you know he's so far away i see the moose like fall over and then hear the shot you yeah know, a couple of seconds later so it's kind of fun to watch but, but it was funny i had a little raft down there and we had i had my dog with me at the time and i don't remember if i think i paddled across first and then sent the dog back towing mm-hmm. the raft. I just tied the string to her collar. So she, she swam back over to my yeah. dad and then he hopped in the raft. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was pretty cool. We loaded yeah. the moose up in well, there. And you've been going sheep hunting, bringing your dog sheep hunting with you, haven't you? You know, I've wanted to for years and finally this last year I did. So I hadn't done it before this yeah, last how'd that, year. Yeah, how'd it go? It was great. It was great. She chased parka squirrels a little more than I would have liked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought she was going to hurt herself out there. But she did, she did really well. Um, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't get a sheep last year, so I don't know, you know, the whole issue I've always wondered about, well, like, what am I going to do with her when I'm stocking a sheep, you know, is she yeah. going to be quiet? Like, do I bring her part way and then tie her to a rock or what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah. You know, so, but she's pretty, she's a good dog and she's always, she's quiet in the tent. She's not a barker. So yeah, you would think if you had a dog that you could have them heal, you know, yeah. and they just stick right to you that, yeah, and some of the, like, you know, not all dogs are sharp, but some of those, some <laughs> dogs are sharp, man. Like they pick up what's going on oh, yeah. pretty quick, whether it's bird hunting or what's always fascinated me. Um, and if I was in a spot that had, you know, was a great coyote call in country, I'd probably get, get some cur dog yeah. pup just to, to try that, uh, to use them when you're calling coyotes. Cause I've seen videos of guys doing it where those, and I would imagine you get, you get the right dog that they figure out the game of, yeah. oh, I, you know, we're, we're trying to get these coyotes and they'll go, you know, you'll see them run out there and antagonize these coyotes yeah. and then bring them right back. And the coyotes aren't paying, like aren't paying any attention <laughs> to, would the, be fun. to the people, you know, so, oh, so I'm, I'm sure it's not quite as easy as, you know, <laughs> the couple videos I've seen make it look to be to, to get a dog to that level. Right. But oh, it takes I think that yeah. would be pretty cool it would be cool but yeah did cool. you just get a uh little pack to, did. to carry to... her food yeah and i didn't i didn't have her pack anything else i probably could have but i had her pack all of her own food and her, yeah. her little collapsible dish and yeah and, uh, yeah we had, a, we had a great time so i brought a little uh you know that foil backing stuff that they wrap like hot water heaters in some yep, air yep. bubbles in it yeah so i brought a little pad of that for her to sleep on at night nice <laughs> <laughs> had her own little sleeping pad but it was you know she's uh she actually ended up being kind of valuable too. Cause I was following this old trail, uh, for a portion of my hunt and, uh, I'd lose it. It was kind of in the, kind of in this Creek bottom. And, um, part of the reason she was finding it is because somebody else had been up there. I actually, I actually ran into them, 
but uh i'd lose it and this was on the way out i'd lose the trail and mm-hmm. uh she'd find it i'd just kind of watch her and follow her and you know and she'd just she'd oh nice she'd fart around find the trail and so i'd just follow her and sure enough pretty soon we'd be back on the trail so it was pretty cool yeah, yeah. and she you know the, the added like bear awareness yeah that that a was big deal especially yeah. if you're hiking through the brush and stuff like that yeah absolutely and that's part of i mean i think i had told you that before that's part of part of the reason i took her as well is just because i've and then this year I had none, but I've generally yeah. had so many bear encounters and seen a lot of bears up in there that I was like, yeah, it might be nice to <laughs> have an extra, yeah. an early warning system. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's, uh, it's fun. You know, bear encounters with sheep hunting. Obviously it depends on the country you're hunting, yeah. but it's funny to me, some guys, even in the same country, like our buddy Gary, he'd have bear issues every year huh. on the same hunt. We're just split up, weird, and where weird. I've, I mean, I see them. It's not infrequent that I see them, but I've never myself had any yeah. any issues with them on a sheep <laughs> hunt. Co- cooking bacon in his tent or something? <laughs> well, I don't know, but part of the issue is he was always usually the first one to shoot something. Uh, huh. And so he's got meat in camp, you know. A couple, yeah. There was a couple of years, Steve, Steve's brother, there was a couple of years where he didn't bring any meat home because grizzly bears ate it all. Oof, man. You it know, gets pretty hairy. Yeah, it does. You know, like he, one year that yeah, the there's no nothing to hang your meat on, so you just kind of got it hung up in the alders as best you can over mm-hmm. a cut bank or something. And one year, yeah, I remember his sow and cubs gotten took all all his sheep meat and cape. Oof. And then the next year, he'd shot a caribou and um a, a big boar grizzly got on it as he was. Um, trying to finish, you know, he had to go, he'd got half the meat out, you know, late at night, yeah. slept, went, and he'd moved it all away from the gut pile, but going back to, to get the rest of the meat the next morning, early in the next morning, and that, that bear was already on it and Oof. bluff charging him. And Oof. That's, yeah. <laughs> had another guy that, that was, uh, had got a caribou and had it all outside his tent, woke up, thought he was having a dream, <laughs> you know, hearing all this noise and racket, and it was a sow with cubs, Oof. like, chewing on his caribou head <laughs> yeah they uh i don't know i'm yeah you know speaking of going solo and being more careful that's you know sometimes i'm double staging that stuff out and i usually you know if i'm stashing meat under a rock or doing something and having to make an extra trip i i generally put it where i have good visibility coming back to it you know because yeah yeah i don't want to walk in on something like that <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of worst case scenario surprising them on yeah. top of oh, a food source or something yep but well, i better get i gotta get back inside here but um, yeah you got man, dinner coming up here yeah i'd love to just keep talking with you could do it for quite a while so we'll just have to have you back over now awesome, and i know yeah. you live right right nearby sounds good yeah thanks but, for having me yeah man appreciate you appreciate you coming over and it's been been nice to catch up for a little bit absolutely but uh anyway if uh for the listeners if you have any comments or questions uh you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com and uh and if you can leave uh, leave a review and uh, rating on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on, that'd be great. I do I do pay attention to them. Um, and one other thing that I was going to clarify, I meant to for a uh, a previous episode with my buddy Luke was I found out that the guy that I was assuming was a Coast Guard guy that got chewed up on a fog neck this year was actually Navy SEAL guy uh. and. 
he wasn't too happy with how the Coast Guard, like they were posting on social media his oh, wow. like rescue before he even had a chance to tell his family. So oh, I, 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 I apologize for that confusion. <laughs> but all right, thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it.